Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from Wow Dogs, and for the lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. shut up no this is not cool oh dude i'm gonna lose uh pissed off. have you lost yet N- uh, fuck it. aren't we starting the show oh. i thought you were I'm, I'm waiting the show. i'm waiting for you i'm waiting for you to be done i'm waiting for you to finish doing the attention oh, because it wouldn't be cool for me to be playing something while you're 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 doing the show i got it God. okay i'm gonna turn this off because i care your sacrifice is appreciated. Some, some modicum of professionalism. Can't okay, give it about five minutes. <sighs> Hello again, everybody, and welcome to four day. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking douchebag! Shut up, man! What the hell do I have to tell you? That's ten bucks. Hey, I didn't fuck it up. Roger did. You're gonna do this all night long, aren't you? I'm not gonna say shit with how you like chime in as I'm speaking, huh? Come on, it's like one after. You're late. Are you done? I was done like a while back. I've been waiting, literally twiddling my thumbs, waiting. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to ForTheLore.com. What are you going on about? ForTheLord.com? Sorry. Yes, dot com. <sighs> Take three. three. Just, okay, do it right this time, for Christ's sake. Well, thank you. The For The Lore. <laughs> yeah, The For The Lore. It's yeah, The <laughs> We're here to talk <laughs> about The Final Fantasy. We're here about The Final yeah. Fantasy 13. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I got you saying that shit now too. That's what I'm yeah. laughing about. All right. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Lore, a gaming podcast. Um, if you notice my voice has changed, it's because my name is Roger, and my testicles have receded back into my body cavity. Unfortunately, Joe will not be able to join us today. We do have uh, Vince from. <clears throat> from oh. uh, MassiveNerd.net, and oh. actually, my name is Rick, and Joe is here. <laughs> I mean, uh, Roger is here, and I'm nervous as fuck and totally ruining this. Epic failure. That was terrible. Oh, I didn't on, say you anything. You can't website. blame that on me. 
That I was, was going to say massivenerd.com, and then I'm like, that's right, you got .net. But he's got the .com, too. He bought the .com, too. Yeah, I just need to forward it, but I, I do own it now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Forgive me. That was terrible. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm sorry. You guys even got the, me all nervous. Even the scripted joke, it was book. bad, but I mean, you could tell it was scripted, too. You got to be able it to... It wasn't you know, scripted. I just oh. pulled it off my ass. No, you did not. You did not pull my balls out of your ass. Ew. Okay, you going back and doing it again, or we we stick it with this and keep going? Because <laughs> you know what, just 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 stick with it. I, I've I've lost all. I I just don't care anymore. So stick with that. Fair enough. Okay, we we can totally stick with that, right? Hey, you're running the show. Awesome. No, I'm not gonna do an intro again. Anyway, uh, this show's main focus is gonna be Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 13, and Final Fantasy 14. Like I mentioned before, Joe is not gonna be joining us today because he's falling behind on his work. Instead, we do have <laughs> Vincent, myself. Roger hasn't really played a Final Fantasy game in kind of a long time, so he asked me, more like he told me and threatened to stab me in my stomach if I didn't uh, host this show. So that's pretty much where we're at now. Uh, yeah, we're gonna start and get back up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, we, we at least we got Vince, and he's going to be doing uh, later on. If you download the podcast or you check it out on iTunes, he's going to be doing another Mass Effect Two bio on Jack. So go ahead and download the podcast. So you can get to listen on that. I'm sure it's amazing. Rogers heard it already. I haven't. So anyway, no, I haven't. I haven't heard this one actually. You were saying though on Twitter, Vince, that this is actually quite a long one. Did have you actually recorded it yet, or just written written it out? Yeah, yeah. It, it came into like eight minutes and change. Excellent. Yeah. Well, she's an, a, a really deep character, so you, uh, yeah. you'd have a lot to go off of. She's one of the only real characters, I think, in the, in the entire... Well, that's just me. As far as Mass Effect 2 goes, she's... I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I think that it's just that that character has um, a lot more depth. But, I mean, that being said as well, um, regardless of what you think of Miranda and her character and whatnot, if you actually look at the story behind Miranda and the sister and everything else, there's actually a lot of, uh, of depth to that character as well. And True. FYI, Dan in the, in the chat room, we're not just going to talk about final fantasy. That'll be the bulk of the show, but we may touch on some other shows as well too. So shut up, dude. Yeah. Well, if there's something to talk about, this is according to the wave, this is called light chit chat every time. This is, Yeah. Well, when there's anyway, some, anyways, actually, before we start, can I actually just a quick rant, a wow rant before we start on, on the Final Fantasy stuff? Is, is this what you were eyeing me earlier today about the? Uh... Yeah, kind of, kind of. Oh, okay. Tell them now. Okay. Tell them now. Yeah, do it. Just okay. go. Go. Just as a, a, a as Joe has said, the public service message and yourself to 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 warriors and tanks in general out there. Okay. I know that most of you aren't blind, like you're not colorblind. You can probably see the color blue. I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> I mean, some of you, perhaps I'm speaking out of term and some of you can't see blue justifiably. That being said, then there'd still be some color. There'd be a color bar underneath mine that would degrade very rapidly. There'd be like there. You would see it going down and then you would whenever I'd cast a heal on you to save you you would actually be able to see it go down significantly and then say let's that there's there's a lot of healing that has to be done let's just say like there's a boss okay and let's just say that you notice that there was there was maybe a sliver of that bar whatever color it was left and you decided screw it i'm taking the boss on right now and let's just say 
that this is epic all-out fight, and I still managed to save your ass. Now, that bar is still pretty low. Don't go diving into another goddamn group. Mana, understand the concept of mana. Read up about it if you have to, do whatever. Don't, and see, people are saying, let them die, they'll learn. No, 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 they're not learning. See, I don't know if this is the new EP ruler for, for tanks because they don't top recount stats. Most of them don't. So the thing is, I ran it this fast and they're timing each other. This is not, it doesn't have to be a race. And it doesn't have to be, you know, it's a team effort. Everybody's working as a team and you let them die. It's your fault as a healer, not their fault that they were going fast and they were paying attention. It's your fault as a healer. And it's not like you can say whatever you, you died too. You're taking it too. And it's going to cost you for your repair bill. So it's not like there's a lesson learned there unless you let them die and immediately leave group before you die. But like you let them die. They bitch at you. You ask for time to drink and then you're a bad healer and everything else just you know again just learn that there is that little bar has a meaning and for those in the chat room making comments as well guess what i have a druid as well buddy innervate just will only take you so far sometimes too i have two 80 druids all right <laughs> and i've got the shaman i know how to heal now i'm not trying to sound like i know everything i'm just saying i know how to heal and this Roger. is not the healer's fault <laughs> No, I'm done. I, I, I'm done. I, I, I can totally, I can actually totally attest having tanked instances with Roger. He's a good healer. He, he's a very good healer. And the first time we ran, I was <laughs> balls deep, freaking tanking left and right. And he's panicking, sweating, just hustling behind me. Slow down. What the fuck are you doing? I'm like, have you never healed before? Not on this character, you douchebag. I just went rest <laughs> from enhancement. And I just, I had a very good laugh because from the conversations that you and Joe were having, it's like, oh yeah, you guys are healing fucking prodigies. You've been doing this for five years and you guys are like healing incarnate. And here I am, you know, kicking ass and you're there panting behind me running out of a mana after every pack. It's so different. I mean, healing druid versus healing on the shaman is so unbelievably different. You're playing a different game. Um, I, I've gotten the hang of it now and, I, and I've and i gotten the hang of the cast times and everything else for the, the shaman versus is the the druid um but yeah no i'd never healed on the shaman at all ever until well except for battlegrounds which don't count because as i told you you don't care if somebody dies in battlegrounds whereas with right. the group you, you try to your best to keep everybody alive and it's not my gear because my gear is actually decent right now i even bought myself some uh, some new stuff as well but it's just it's it's just a, a part of the game mana is there for a reason you you run out of mana sometimes and especially if you're in a group where everybody is not properly geared and maybe the tank is but nobody else is so they're dropping so fast that you got to keep them alive too or you're in with a tank that doesn't hold aggro properly so then you're healing yourself on top of that oh ah. anyways i'm done i just it was just um you know, public service announcement. Right, announcement. Right. So all you, the tanks out there, they you really got to pay attention to that little bar. You had to vent. You know, you had to vent. Yeah, I do feel better. I do feel better. And and a really fast one too. If you are in the nineteen level nineteen bracket for battlegrounds, guess what? <laughs> Speed wins all. If you're a fucking pally that thinks he could run the flags when there's literally either a rogue or a druid right beside you that could have taken it, and you die. Because you didn't make it in time, you fail. Level 19 bracket, give it to a speed class. I'm done. We can talk about Final Fantasy now. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Just seeing the verbal personification of that sh- that massive wall of text that you typed to me earlier, it just it makes it oh so much sweeter. <laughs> it, it really it really does because I can I could feel your rage through the words, but then when I hear you actually saying it, and just. It, oh, I, that, that's nothing. Literally, I we I was running a uh, Eye of the Storm. I'm on my Druid. Now, this is not... I've got a little twink that I'm working on as well, working her towards 19, and she is 16 right now. And I had this bullshit with a, a, a uh, pally who, sure enough, died, and I could have ran it easily and gotten the win for us. But another one, we are at... Uh, in Eye of the Storms, it was an epic fight. Now, if... Any of you are actually really diehard PvP guys who do a lot of battlegrounds and stuff, you'll get me here. If you're not, you're going to say, ah, it's not a big deal, it's just a BG. But you know when it's like a really epic fight and you actually have a group of people that are trying to win? You're trying to come from behind and you're actually gaining ground. If you invest yourself and you're really trying hard, it's like, okay, we can do this. We finally got to two and two. They were still above us, so as we're gaining Towards the 1600 mark, we're gaining at the same speed. However, they're still closer to 1600 than us. Literally, a flag cap would win the game if we got it, or if the time just ticks off, they're going to win without a doubt. And we're talking literally, we've got like a, a little over a minute here, kind of thing, a couple of minutes. We control the center, flag is coming up. So we're like, okay, we've got it. I'm there and I'm on my druid. <laughs> we're there. The pally caps takes the flag. And I'm like, dude, no, 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 give it to a speed class. Nope, they don't even talk to you. Now, it's possible that they don't understand English. They could be from who the hell knows where. But it's like, Not no, fault. and he's running. And I'm right beside him. I'm, I'm running in cheetah form beside him slowly <laughs> so that he maybe he'll take a hint. <laughs> so I'm kind of like bouncing around him. And you can literally see like 1590. 1591, And you're going, dude, you're not going to make it. You're not. Give me the flag. Give it to me. No, he literally made it up over the hill. He was two feet away from and the cap spot, and we lost. And it was like, you dumb son of a bitch, Palin, play as a team. Don't try to do everything yourself. Okay, you wanted to be a hero. Right, that was well, a little bit longer than I wanted it to be, but I'm done. That's okay. You can you can totally cut it later. Okay. All right, go for it. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> Vince, do you want to go ahead and, and, and take over Final Fantasy thirteen? Unfortunately, I ha- I don't own it. I haven't played it yet at all. So we're going to, me and Roger are going to try to chime in. I've seen a lot of reviews on it. I've kind of read up on it, but you're kind of on your own for this. Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's, let's do this then. <laughs> so uh, Final Fantasy, yeah, shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so Final Fantasy 13 came out about uh, two weeks ago over here in America. Uh, huge fanfare, lots of, uh, Lots of stuff going on, reviews coming out, some good, some not so good. A lot of people just trying to get some attention on their websites by giving it horrible scores. Uh, At the end of the day, is it a perfect game? No. Is it a terrible game? No. It's very enjoyable, though. Uh, Comparing it to some previous games, uh, previously, a lot of the games have had these horrible, slow agonizing buildups of, you know, running around town, talking to your dad, talking to your mom, going shopping who, who knows <laughs> Doing all kinds so, of stupid and all the stupid fetch crap that you hate to do because it's just boring and trying to immerse you it's not immersing you it's making you bored exactly right. and then eventually they, they start rolling out the plot like uh roger over there playing seven that one actually started up a little quicker than most other in the series uh six was pretty good too but for the most part it's been 
pretty slow going at first. And then eventually the plot kicks in and it just builds up and builds up until it stops making sense somewhere around 45 hours or so. Uh, Final Fantasy 13 goes to the complete other route. It drops you right into the smack of the action. I mean, right off the bat, you're, there's stuff blowing up. There's people jumping out of helicopters and trains and things all over the place. And you don't know what the hell's going on. They, they're throwing around all these words you don't understand. And you just, you're just along for the ride. What I like to do is I like to compare it to the TV show Lost. At the beginning of I Lost. Lost. Shut up. Uh, no, I, I, I can't. I, I, I hate to interrupt, bro, but I can't fucking stand Lost or Lost fans because it just, it's just, it's a, the most confusing goddamn thing on television. And I'm going to be very happy when Dude, it's over. And it's Sesame done. Street yeah. is confusing for you. <laughs> You're dead to me, Rick. Dead to me. <laughs> Sorry. So in Lost, they start off on this island, plane crash, all these people. You don't know who any of the characters are. You don't know what's going on. And then over the course of the story, they start developing the characters. And once you learn the motivation for the characters, the larger plot starts to come into place. And that's how Final Fantasy 13 works. It's a very, very character driven game, which is kind of unusual for Final Fantasy. Usually they give you, you know, one or two characters that the story focuses around. And then the rest are just, you know, kind of their buddies that tagged along because they had nothing to do that weekend. So with Final Fantasy 13 having this cast of characters that each one of them is very well developed. It ends up enhancing the game overall, at least for me. I'm enjoying the storyline a lot more in this one than in previous games, just because all the characters are meaningful for it. And you've put in, how much did you say again? 30 hours? Yeah, I'm right about 30 hours. Uh, chapter 11, which out of, I believe, 17, it's near the start of the third disc if you're on the 360 version. So how many hours do you think you're going to put into this game before you get to the final end? Uh, I've heard anywhere from 45 to 60, judging that I'm at 30 now, and I know there's a bunch of side quests to do here between there. I'd probably be in the 50 to 60 range. And then, in a first for the series, after you beat the final boss, you can still go back and play. As a matter of fact, it doesn't unlock the last tier of your abilities or the side quests until after you finish the game. So yeah, you think they're going to plan to do uh, DLC stuff like they're doing with all these other single-player RPGs now? It's possible, but I don't know if that's really Square style, especially since they have other side games coming out uh, tying into 13, where they have uh, Versus on, I believe it's PS3 exclusive, and I'm forgetting the name of the PSP version of the game, but they have two more full games planned to tie in together. What's what's the point of going back, though, then? I mean, most of the time, it's pretty linear in terms of the quest that you're going to do and whatnot. It's not like you're skipping stuff. It's not a, an open world. What would be the point of going back? Well, the linearity does stop right around where I'm at in Chapter 11. They give you this huge open area that's just mind-blowing. You come out of uh, from one area of the world. You end up in another. You're in this huge open plain with mountains. You've got dragons flying overhead. These 300-foot-tall turtle, elephant, adamantoise things that'll stomp on you if you get too close. Behemoths. For people who know Final Fantasy, there's freaking behemoths just running around, gallivanting throughout the plains. So it does expand quite a bit. And then while coming back after the game is over doesn't spend a lot story-wise... 13 has probably the best battle system of any game in the series. So being able to come back and fight these really tough bosses where you need to have good tactics, good abilities, good group dynamics, it's fun. 
that's why you got to come back just for fun. What more do you, what more reason do you need to play a game? True. It, um, um, yeah, but fun will only take you so far. I was gonna, I was gonna ask how if if you're going back constantly to the content, does that mean that? Because in every Final Fantasy game that I've played, there's usually a beginning, middle, and end to each individual character's bit. Every character has a little arc that they're kind of working on, and you reach to a, a certain conclusion, and then that character's pretty much done, and then just you know is sitting in the background or takes kind of a support for the main main story, right? So if the game completely finishes, you're done with everything, and you could still continuously play either in the field or whatever it is that you're going to be doing, does do you have is the stuff i mean you haven't beaten it yet obviously but maybe your friends have or whatnot have you been able to do more things open up for those characters uh as far as i know no it's just all uh side quests and extra missions just think of it as downloadable content post game that they give you for free <laughs> well without having to download all right well that's not too bad you said um the the gameplay system. I saw. I've I've watched a pretty long review. It was like a thirteen minute long review on, it, and they spent the most time on the combat. The combat looks confusing as shit, dude. Oh, it is. Once it starts off, like I almost wanted to change the game speed from normal to slow because I was I was just sitting there hitting X, hoping I wasn't screwing anything up. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, to boil it down, it uses the same uh, active battle system, ATB system, that other games have used recently. And as your gauge builds up, then you can choose which moves you want to use. And your gauge isn't just a single gauge. It consists of two, three, four. I actually have a couple characters that are up to five bars in their gauge now. And certain moves will take up one. Some will take up two. Some will take up three. So it takes the traditional Final Fantasy pseudo turn-based system and moves it closer towards real time, which is very fun and Again, just like in 12, your party mates are AI controlled, but unlike 12, they're not blathering idiots and can actually do something without being told to. It's full AI. You can't program it. Um, and they're smart. If you use the uh, Libra skill, which is like scan or whatever mm. the hell else it's been called previously on an enemy, and you reveal that the enemy is weak to lightning, if you have a character with a lightning attack, they'll just start using it automatically. If you have a character that's uh, listed as a healer and you run low on health, they'll heal you. I've never had a healer let me die yet. That's usually the biggest complaint with these single-player RPGs. I know it's a it's a major complaint. Roger and Joe were going on about it. I'm probably you too on about Dragon Age, where you know you would have to like pause in combat and you know send out your commands for healing and this and whatever or else you're just gonna get destroyed. So that's that's cool. That actually, yeah. the AI is not freaking retarded. Well, it's good because you've got enough going on worrying about your character because it's fast-paced. It's very fun, especially once you uh, bring in the paradigm systems. So just for a quick explanation, there are six roles in the game, ranging from Commando, which is like a melee damage dealer, Ravager, which is a magic damage dealer. You have your Sentinel tanking class, the Medic Healer. You have a Synergist, which provides buffs to your party, and a Saboteur, which debuffs the enemy. So you can choose which roles your characters play. Every character has three naturally. And then if you choose to level grind, you can expand them up to all six if you really want to. So what paradigms are, in your menu, you pre-select loadouts. For example, my default loadout for my party is what's called Delta Attack. I have my main character as the commando, a second character as a tank, and a third character as a Ravager, the magic damage dealer. 
And then as the battle progresses, depending on the situation, I can change the loadouts based upon what I've already predefined. So if I'm going through and, you know, I'm wrecking this guy pretty good, but I start taking damage, I can do what's called the paradigm shift, which is just a little uh, the button on the controller and switch my black mage type character over to a healer real quick. And then, okay, everybody's healed up. I'll switch back to my traditional build. Or if the enemy is starting to go down, I'll switch everybody to straight damage dealer. So in addition to just managing what your character's doing, you really need to have the right party set up for the right time. There have been times where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm doing pretty good with this guy. I'll switch over to a full-on damage build, and three seconds later, everybody's down to half health, and I'll have to really quick switch back to a defensive build. So it's very fast-paced, very fun. That seems like it's going to... Oh, well, I don't know. That seems like there's just a lot to manage. I mean, I, I, I don't really like for games to be overly simplistic and whatnot, but just you're going to have to basically set up... As, you have only three characters in your party, right? At right. any given time. So you're going to have to set up those three people with all of their gear and their loadouts and whatnot, and then do that again just for a different... Like, you know, for a different setup, right? So both of their class, both of their roles, as it were, you're going to have to set up. Well, no, no, you, everybody, you basically, there's not a whole lot of gear to choose from. Everybody has a weapon and a couple accessories and you can choose like, okay, naturally the character hope he's my healer. So I give him gear that naturally helps out his healing and his magic abilities. So even when I do switch him over to a damage dealer or the, or the buffing character, he's still effective in those roles. And all you do is pre-select which groupings of three you want to use. Like you have six paradigms you can choose from. So I'll have like two offensive ones, uh, two healing ones, a defensive one, and then like a general like uh, strategic one with buffing and debuffing that I just switch through. All right. Should I, sh should I buy the game? <laughs> i'm just saying look there's 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 like an ongoing kind of theme with this podcast where where you guys all started talking yeah you guys talk about whatever game you want and i end up buying the damn game yeah and right? then he it's, bitches about it if there's any measure of complexity to it or no, anything like that he bitches and complains listen, that's well, what he did today just to, just to touch just on the complexity for a second <laughs> while while they do throw a lot at you they only give you one gameplay element at a time so, okay, they give you the classes and they give you a little bit of time to figure that out. And like, okay, now that you've learned the classes, here's the paradigm system. Let you figure that out. Okay, now that you've learned the paradigm system, we're going to give you some more classes to mix into that. So they give it to you on a very step-by-step -step basis so that just as you're becoming comfortable with one gameplay element, they'll give you another one on top of it. Okay, I thought this was going to be where they just throw everything at you at once and say, go, you know, because... <laughs> No, when I first started the game, I'm pulling up my first thing I do when I play an RPG is I pull up my menu and I'm looking through my menu and I'm like, where where's all the cool stuff that was in the instruction manual? I, I, I don't have any of the cool stuff. All I had was attack. <laughs> so I'm like, right. OK, attack, attack, attack. Ooh, AOE attack. Cool. Attack for the first couple hours. And then once they've introduced the characters and, you know, a plot event happens, like, oh, okay, now I have abilities. And they, they introduce the Crystarium, which is like the sphere system in Final Fantasy X, where you can customize your characters however you wish. Like Materia and all that business, right? Well, Materia, I, don't, I, didn't, I wasn't crazy about the Materia system just because it led to all the characters being generic. If you wanted Cloud to be a summoner healer, you could. If you wanted Eris to be, you know, a fire slinging mage, you could. Whereas right. in this one, 
while everybody does have access to all the roles, they all play differently. Uh, to start off with, Saz, who is the coolest character in the history of video games. That's the black dude with the afro? Yes, with the Frocobo. Cool. All right. He'll start off uh, with his, let's say, his synergist role. A lot of the buffs he has available are offensive buffs, increasing your attack, increasing your magic, uh, giving you elemental damage. Whereas Hope, he's also a synergist, but his skills are defense-oriented. He'll have protect, he'll have shell, he'll have uh, elemental defense spells. So they do, they're still kind of unique, which gives this game a really nice blend of flexibility while still having some uniqueness to the characters. Oh, cool. Um, to, to put the whole comment to rest, by the way, from Roger, so that I was mentioned to him earlier, I, I purchased, I picked up over the weekend Mass Effect 1. Now, I have never played Mass Effect 1, so coming from Mass Effect 2 and only playing Mass Effect 2, when I got to Mass Effect 1, and I'm like, what is this bullshit about equipping all this different gear and oh, grenades? And freaking oh, having an upgrade, terrible. and then I have to equip every oh, ammo, character. ammo. Oh don't God. forget the combat and scanners. Have, <laughs> look, I I have nothing against it as the game mechanic. I thought it was kind of cool actually, but when I sat down, I was like, dude, this is taking away time. I I don't want to go through all this crap. I don't want to read all the descriptions. I want to get back to the story. I'm used to the pace that was set by Mass Effect 2. Actually, I don't like the fact that in ME2, you can pseudo-pause the game just by switching, you know, when you want to switch weapons to something that you don't have, you know, hotkeyed or an ability or something like that. Because, you know, that I, I don't like it when it breaks up the action like that. I like to have certain segments of the game being, you know, about the plot, about the story, you get a break, you shop, you, you upgrade your gear, you do whatever you're going to do in your town, and then there's the combat section where you're in the action. I don't like it when game developers break up the action constantly, and that's kind of what Mass Effect 1 is doing right now, but whatever, we're not talking about Mass Effect, it's just, it's, it's a great game, I'm, I'm loving it a lot, I just find that going through 50,000 different freaking menus is obnoxious already, I mean, I'm tired of it, I just want to set my damn characters and be like, okay, go and then the second i find something new i gotta go through the whole goddamn you know 15 minute ordeal over again it, it's annoying but whatever speaking about complaints you said earlier a lot of people have been reviewing very poor what what's up with the reviews on uh what, what, what are they complaining about for final fantasy 13 why would i not buy it well to tie it into your mass effect statement with previous games in the series you've had just like you said a progression okay here's a town okay do your thing okay here's a story element oh look there's a big dungeon over there let's go crawl down to the bottom and see what giant monster wants to eat us and then we're back in town and then we have another story segment 13 takes a different approach which a lot of people don't like i'm still slightly undecided myself where there are no towns they really don't give you those resting segments you'll be in for lack of a better term, dungeon, because I don't know what to call it anymore, even though none of them ever use dungeons. You're in a dungeon, and okay, you're running through, and yeah, it's possibly more linear than other games have shown in the past. Uh, I'd really have to go back and replay an older Final Fantasy really to get a feel for it, because having a map in this game, it makes it a lot e less exploration. You just pull up your map and go, oh, cool, there's a secret passage over here. Let me go run down it. So you go through and, okay, oh, here's a story segment. Okay, and they'll do a cutscene, and then a boss battle, and then a cutscene, and then another cutscene. And then you're straight into the next dungeon. And then you go explore that one. You fight enemies and cutscene, and then a boss, and then a cutscene. So 
it's more fast paced, but at the same time, I'm also really starting to notice the issue with the traditional Japanese RPG storytelling of these long drawn out cinematics, which they're beautiful, but there are times where I just put down my controller and, you know, cross my hands across my chest and watch the TV instead of playing the game. Right. So it, it's just, it's like a lot of what these games are doing now where it's very, you, you sit down, you push X, maybe you'll do one of those, you know, quick time things and then you'll watch the game play itself, you know, for however the hell long. See, yeah, especially when it comes to those cutscenes. Like at least before you were hitting the X button to advance the dialogue, but now that it's all pre-rendered and spoken, you don't even have that interaction, which compared to games like Mass Effect 2 and Dragon Age, well, yeah, they had these long story segments where all you did was go around talking and whatnot. At least you were involved in the conversation. You know, you, you, you yeah. had choices to make. You weren't putting that, down the controller. That, that's exactly what issue. makes it fun. Yeah, that, that's what makes it entertaining. That's why, I mean, I I love that whole concept of being able to, yeah, it's it's kind of diluted. It's not real like gameplay. You're just trying to navigate through a different choose-your-own-adventure thing and different dialogues and different cutscenes. But the fact that you actually have a choice in the different dialogues and what happens and what is said and how things are reacting that's interesting that's part of like a it's like a puzzle experience that's something that's entertaining and engaging i don't know that's one thing i really didn't like about the final fantasy games um you mentioned that it's that it's linear though i gotta i gotta say every fucking final fantasy game ever has been linear i mean exactly. it's not it, it's like this game just doesn't try to pretend that you actually have a choice i mean you, there's a very obvious beginning and end to whatever little zone or map segment you're in. And you just got to go through the motions to get there. I don't know what people are expecting, you know, when yeah. they think that the game's not linear. Sounds like somebody actually read my blog for once, but for the people in the chat room who, uh, for some reason don't, I don't know why, cause I'm awesome. Uh, uh -huh. as I, I compared it to final fantasy seven and I did that because it's the most popular one in the series, the one everybody's played. You come out of Midgar, and you're like, oh, wow, world map, awesome. There's stuff everywhere. Let me go run over. Oh, it's a mountain. I can't get past that. Oh, let me go run over. Oh, there's a river that way. Oh, what's down? No, nope, that's the ocean. Well, I guess I'll go in this one direction that I actually can go to go to this town. Like, okay, do your thing in the town. Oh, yeah, sure, just go to the mines. I'm like, oh, cool, let me go find the mines. Oh, here's the mines right here, following this path directly out of town. Oh, but I can't go to the mines until I get the chocobo. And then you get the chocobo, you go to the mines, you progress. Hey, oh, I can't go to the desert until I get the buggy. I can't go to the ocean until I get the boat. So while it did give you the appearance of this big open world, it was very, very on rails as far as what you actually could do. So Final Fantasy 13 just takes that entire premise and chucks out the window and goes, okay, we're just going to do what we want to do anyway. So it, the whole game pretty much is on rails in, in that regard. It gives you, it doesn't even bother to give you the illusion of choice. You don't really have a choice. You just have to go and play the story. I, I can, I can get behind that. I, I got no problems with that. These yeah, people then, busted their ass. But then halfway through, it does a complete 180 on you. Once you reach chapter 11 and you get to, I don't want to ruin it, but you get to this other area, it, like I said before, it opens up with all these huge side quests. So I don't know what game they were trying to make because each segment, the linear segment and the nonlinear segments works for what it's trying to do. And it's just such a strange change of pace that I don't know what they were trying to do. I, both are fun. I'm in, I enjoyed both greatly. They just need to pick one and go with it. <laughs> All right. 
Um, you mentioned earlier to me that um, JRPGs are kind of like in the decline, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember the last JRPG that got any kind of like FaceTime anywhere as far as game trailers or or game advertising or anything like that, other than Final Fantasy Thirteen. So, is this going to be like, is this it? Is you know, are we not going to have any more JRPGs single player coming to the West with with this being pretty much it, or or do you think they're going to be trying to pursue the same genre? I'm sure we'll still get some because the people in Japan seem to like this type of gameplay still. But at least here in the West, with a lot of other RPGs we've had recently, I think our gaming culture is starting to move past it. Now, yeah, looking back, I own, for the 360, three Japanese RPGs now. I have Final Fantasy, I have Lost Odyssey, and I have Blue Dragon. And I couldn't tell you when the next one is that I'm going to buy. Whereas if you look at my... You know, the PS2 and the PS1 era has stacks of these things coming out my ears. I didn't even finish half of them. Yeah, I noticed that the only RPG that was coming out back then was the JRPG. I mean, just Western companies weren't making them. And well, then they, now they, were, that we, they were on PC, but since that was less mainstream, less well, people yeah. played them. But now that the consoles have caught up with the PCs technologically and more of the people are able to play the less linear, more open and story-driven type games. It's a big shift in the culture. Cool. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about Final Fantasy 13 before we move on to 14? Because I really want to move on to 14. Uh, just quickly, uh, anybody that's worried about the graphics on the 360 version, don't. I'm playing on a 50-inch plasma TV, and yes, I do, I shut up. I do notice some graphical issues if I'm really looking for them. If I'm just sitting back watching, I, I got no problems. All right. Um, now the meat, the, the, the meat of the show we're going to be talking about is Final Fantasy fourteen. Now, Final Fantasy fourteen is a spiritual successor to Final Fantasy eleven, which was the first and pretty much only MMO game that Square Enix made in the Final Fantasy universe. It's pretty... I mean, it, to, to say that it's hyped... To say that we're all salivating for it, even Joe, unfortunately, you know, is not here to drool along with us. We all really fucking want this game to come out. What we don't want is for it to be exactly like Final Fantasy XI, which had a lot of followings we'll talk about later. But um, one thing that I found was kind of unique is when you look at other games that are coming out now, Mass Effect 2, you know, Final Fantasy thirteen and whatnot, it's being compared to other games. This one in particular, because it even has the same... Um, the same kind of characters, the same graphics, almost the same world, the same universe they're using in Final Fantasy XI. It's being directly compared to that as well as everything else that's out there. So it's going to be competing in late, you know, this year. It's supposed to be released sometime at the end of 20, uh, 2010. So we've got Star Wars The Old Republic is coming out in 2011. We have Cataclysm at the end of this year. We have APB coming out at the end of this year. We have all these different MMO games that are you know, going to be doing your monthly subscription. So what, you know, how is, how do you think this is going to fare? I mean, that, that's the big question that people are asking now is, is this going to be good enough to hold its own, not just with the fan base, with the fandom that, you know, us Final Fantasy Eleven players, you know, have for the game. But well, I think a lot of that is going to depend on how much of the Final Fantasy Eleven audience they can bring over to 14. As long as they don't have a complete failure, like, EverQuest did of nobody that played the first game wanting to play the second game because how long has Final Fantasy XI been out? Six years? Seven years? And it's still Eight. going? 
eight. Jesus. I, I, yeah, it's been it's been about eight years, and they still they did some server mergers. I think as recently as I think it was uh, yesterday. Yeah, the, the the server mergers were this year, so it took them eight years to finally have a lifespan before they started to merge servers, which is kind of like the death knell, the twilight years of any MMOs when they actually have to start shutting down servers to put people all into some more consolidated place. But um, we, we all have our complaints, and we all have our, our little love affairs with Final Fantasy XI. We'll we'll get into that in a second. But um, I wanted to go point by point with this with this game because there's just some shit in here that I've never seen before in an MMO. I've never all. seen before in any game. <laughs> no, and yeah, in, in any game, I have never seen the class system they have. They call classes uh, disciplines, right? It's just a different way of saying the exact same thing. The big change here is when you're creating your character, you do not pick a discipline. You don't pick a class as part of the character creation. There's a lot of other things you pick. But um, the disciplines that they've released is not just something that you fight with traditionally, you know, like a warrior, a monk, whatever. They have um, professions are also part of the classes, part of the disciplines that you can play as. So you will realistically have like, let's say Roger picks it up, Joe picks it up, me and you pick it up. We've got, you know, uh, a conjurer, an archer, a pugilist and a miner in the group. And let's say I'm the miner, so all you guys are in this badass armor. I'm sitting with a freaking pith helmet and a pickaxe, and I'm fucking digging for rocks while you guys are battling monsters or whatever. It, but there's just there's a lot of different things that go involved with the classes. They're they're doing a really 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 cool job. I'm personally hoping that they don't make it as much of a horrible time sink like FF11 was. But. Uh, I don't know. It's this is this is Square Enix. I'm hoping that they've really learned when WoW came out and pretty much stole, just downright freaking yanked almost half of the uh, the player base from Final Fantasy XI. That's when you started to see Square Enix start re- you know release all these different features that were pretty much taken from WoW. Like you could buy your own mount. They lowered the you know a lot of the penalties and whatnot. Things like that. Even getting your own mount became a huge time sink. Like, oh, yeah, cool. Now you can have your own mount, but you got to spend like three weeks racing chocobos and breeding. And uh, I don't even remember half the crap they did. Yeah, I, I had no idea how they did the mount thing, but this is the first I hear about it. You told me you had to race them and then breed them. And, you know, I like the fact that they're trying to add some kind of realism to it. But a lot of times I don't really fucking want to just be bothered by that i just want to go buy my damn mount and move that's the biggest issue yeah. with mmos the biggest time saves travel right yeah. hey, hey rick let's go kill this big dragon oh sorry i still have to hatch my chocobo egg <laughs> yeah no the, the biggest the biggest issue in that game was everybody gather up at this town hope to god you have enough money get on your chocobo and then go and the chocobo the mount had a timer on it and if your time ran out the son of a bitch would kick you off, flee back to wherever it came from, and you're stuck in the middle of the damn zone, a good 20-minute run away from your location. It sucked, and there was no other way than just by running to get there. Those you zones know, were so freaking huge. Oh, yeah. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> All right, well, getting back to the classes, we have uh, the way that you pick your class is equipped on what weapon you're using. So if you use a sword and shield, Bada bing, you're a gladiator. Uh, if you get a two-handed axe, it makes you a marauder. You pick up a pickaxe, like I mentioned earlier, you instantly become a miner and so on and so forth. Um, like I said, some are mainly, you know, main for uh, for combat, you know, like your gladiator, your pugilist, your lancer. Those are your combat stuff. But then you have the professions like alchemist, botanist, which is like a fancy way of saying uh, an herbalist, culinarian. I, I cannot imagine how they're going to make a chef, a freaking cooking profession in combat. I... 
I am laughing my ass off at the concept of just getting a big ladle and just beating the shit out of out of a giant freaking behemoth monster with like a giant wooden serving spoon. That is just whip out a, a big cauldron and start throwing goblins and shit in there. Yeah, it sounds it sounds ridiculous. It's like, hold up, guys, you see me surrounded by you guys in the party with a big ass cauldron, like serving up, you know, like a fucking soup kitchen to the party. You but know, theoretically, that's, that's it could be like he- a really it could be a really cool support class. So we don't know. Yeah, they, they do have certain effects. They mentioned in the, the developers were interviewed countless times. That's why we kind of did this big show was um, they'll have passive effects as well, such as a blacksmith will you know keep your gear from getting degraded. Uh, miner will make more money drop, you know, things like that. Better materials, all that kind of shit. Roger, do you want to say something? I just when you're talking about the the herbalist, the cook. You know, and I'm just thinking your your bag, your your it would be full of like parsley and shit like that. Just <laughs> you don't need weapons. You need you need more cumin to throw on mobs and right in the eyes. Aim for the eyes. That salt stings. <laughs> you, can throw, you can throw like really old ass bread that's like rock hard at them or you some can, shit. You can take down mobs and make a mean Caesar drink. Well, yeah, obviously the the. The gathering classes and the crafting classes aren't going to be that effective in combat. But as I said, they, they, the game <laughs> the game is balanced around a variable size party. So let's say you have six party members. You got a tank, you got a healer, you got a couple mages and a couple damage dealers, and you have another buddy that wants to come along. And you're like, well, we're we're full on tanks, we're full on healers. Come on, your blacksmith. Come and come increase you can make our drop some sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so being able to just out of nowhere, pull along that extra bit of support. Seems kind of interesting, at least. True. Not for um, the person uh, making the sandwiches. Yeah, no, <laughs> you guys get to go kill a dragon. I'll be over <laughs> here cutting up ham for your sandwiches. You want some cheese but with hey, that, too? If all, you ha- if all you have to do is spread peanut butter on some bananas and still get awesome loot, how is that not awesome? <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's actually pretty cool. That's one thing I've liked about Final Fantasy. Even in Final Fantasy XI, it got annoying. It was like ad nauseum with like crafting and whatnot. But, and I had the same... I love this about Ion as well. It's like the one thing I liked about it was... It's realistic, and I'm not asking for ultimate, you know, super realism in a fantasy game, but, you know, if a blacksmith wants to make a sword, he not only has, he can't just mash a bunch of copper bars together and make a sword, he has to make the sword, the the guard, you know, the hilt, the freaking pommel, everything, and then combine that to make the actual sword. So it's like, there's a certain sense of realism with the game in that regard. Um, there is no leveling in Final Fantasy XIV. Every character is pretty much going to be just as powerful as any other character the big difference is going to be how proficient you become at a certain weapon type so i'll probably end up being a lancer uh we'll go over the classes now have you know vince can go over the classes real quick but uh so if i use a spear over and over and over and over again and i get really really proficient my skill with the spear is super high then as a lancer my you know i will have a plethora of different things to attack with and not just with that leveling skill, they also have like these temporary kind of leveling, you know, uh, where use a certain type of weapon during combat, it'll raise, but that's only for that battle. You know what I'm saying? So when the battle's over, you go back to whatever previous standard you had for that particular weapon, depending on uh, different kinds of shields you can use, different kinds of swords you can use. You have your base that pretty much determines your whole proficiency, but then let's say you use a weapon that's better at piercing attacks, so suddenly now your piercing damage is going to go up for that battle as you get 
as you use it more and more. So I think that's actually very unique. You know, it makes the battles very different. There's not going to be a lot of theory crafting involved. There's not going to be a lot of standardization. It's all going to be very unique to the battle. Well, also another interesting way they could go with that and pure conjecture at this point is uh, most recently seen in Final Fantasy IX. You had the ability point system that the longer you used a weapon, the you would gain extra skills with it. And like, okay, you're you're great with your dragoon spear, but you know you've learned everything there is to learn from it. It's time to learn to get a new weapon, and that way you'll still advance as a character, gaining new gear and new abilities at the same time. Yeah, what's what's interesting about this whole thing is it's kind of it's it seems to make the game more skill oriented and not so much gear oriented. I mean, you're going to have gear; it's going to give you good buffs, it's going to give you good shit, yeah, good stats. All right, you're going to have gear, but it's not going to make or break the character. It's not going to make or break how good you are at this class. You know, I, I, I like that a lot. That's like most first-person shooter games. Everybody has the same tools. It depends on how much you want to invest in getting good at those tools. So um, yeah, let's go over the classes. Um, so far, okay. they've released, like, what, eight, nine classes? Uh, somewhere around there. All right. Um, go over them for me. All right. Well, uh, we have for the, what is it, the Disciples of War, as which are your... Uh, your physical damage dealers. We have the gladiator, which is your traditional tank, as Square themselves says. They're the defender of the weak and defeater of the strong. He's the party's greatest defense, and it's great for all-around characters. While, yeah, they are primarily a tank class, they're the only one they've showed so far that could use a shield, they can do so offensively as well. I don't know if you saw on the main site, they have that one shield that has a bunch of sheaths in it that you just shove some swords into the shield, and it's a sword shield thing i don't know but <laughs> yeah that land that lantern shield if uh roger's gonna mouse over in a second it's like a shield that has two swords sticking out of it so it's like a weapon in its own right which i think is actually pretty damn cool you know well, yeah it, it has a way of if you have two characters along that both want to be a gladiator one of them can be a tank one of them can be a damage dealer it's almost like putting in uh, a talent system without any talents all right secondly the, the Pugilist this is what you're going to yes, play as your main the Pugilist. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this because my favorite character in Final Fantasy XI was the monk. I love hand-to-hand -hand fighters. Uh, quickly to Square's line on it. The frontline brawler, the Pugilist, needs to think on his feet to control his stances. He's the party's jump-into-the-fray role made for people who don't sweat the small stuff, which, as I pointed out, uh, doesn't necessarily mean he's simple. He's just very focused on what he's doing. Uh, a lot of characters have these long, larger attack radiuses, so they're more aware of what's going on around them, whereas the pugilists, with no weapon to speak of other than his two fists and maybe a foot thrown in there, he's got the shortest attack radius, which means he also has the shortest field of view of what's going on. So he's really focused on what's going on in front of him. Uh, they've shown that he has an offensive stance and defensive stance. So he looks like he might be a really cool off tank to have along with you since they've said you're going to be facing mostly other parties of enemies and not single enemies. So we'll having an off tank. Later. Yes. And his stances throughout combat, he can choose to deepen the stance. He can choose, okay, I'm, I'm in my offensive stance. Everything seems to be going good. Let me go into a more aggressive offensive stance, sacrificing some of his defense for additional offensive abilities and vice versa. And one thing that really has me interested is out of all the classes, they've shown more weapons for the pugilist than anything else. I don't know if that's just because that's all they have so far 
or if they really want to show off the versatility of the pugilist. As a gladiator, you got a sword. There's only so much you can do with the sword. The pugilist, he's shown knuckles for bashing. He's shown claws for slashing, piercing weapons, uh, status effect weapons. So he seems like a really cool class that's going to be very dependent on what gear he chooses. Well, uh, next up, we got the Lancers, what I'm going to be playing. Um, I've always been a big fan, like the Dragoon. You know, just the one guy, full body armor with this just big-ass spear or lance jumping all over the damn place. It's a very tactical kind of fighter because he's going to have naturally longer reach than everybody else. So if you equip, you know, if you equip a lance, you're going to have twice the reach of any other classes out there. So you don't have to be up front, like in point-blank melee, like the the brawler, the monk, you know, the, the pugilist that uh, like Vince is going to be playing up. And they have a lot of different abilities as well that are very cool. You know, they can um, do a sneak attack thing where if I'm behind Roger and I attack the boss, then, you know, the target, the target's going to put the threat onto Roger instead of me. Uh, positioning is a very big thing in this game as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, you get the Marauder. He's a giant you know, two-handed axe-wielding melee DPS, just this massive overpowered thing. He's another class that I would actually like to play because the way they're doing the dynamics on that class is um, you can stand still. If you stand still, then you're reserving a lot of your energy. You have a lot more power and a lot more AOE damage and whatnot just from standing still because you're actually legitimately reserving your power for these big, massive swings. You're kind of grounding yourself. If you're moving a lot or you're just, you know, running around trying to hit things, you know, it's not realistic that I can run at full clip holding, you know, a 80-pound massive two-handed axe and swinging it around like a weight of feather. So I'm very interested in how that class is going to play out. I'm thinking that if there is going to be PvP in this game, you know, a melee class runs up to you and a marauder standing perfectly still, you want to just give him a wide berth. You don't want to get near him because as <laughs> if you see him standing still and the motherfucker's like kind of, you know, powering up all Dragon Ball Z style and shit, he's going to be <laughs> swinging around his big-ass axe and drop you in a second. Um, we've got the archer as your standard sniper. Obviously, it's an archer. It's a cool take on the ranged bow user kind of class because finally, the thing that we've been asking for in World of Warcraft, for example, a thousand times over is different types of ammo. That's one of the biggest pulls of this class. One of the biggest tactics of this class is the furthest range, but you have a massive amount of different kinds of arrows that you can use. Poison arrows, iron arrows, arrows that... Um, you know, pierce armored targets, arrows that deal holy damage to, you know, unholy, undead monsters, or things like that. Very, very, very cool stuff with that. Um, you want to go over the Disciples of Magic or the and then the we'll go the last two that were announced? Yeah, we'll go over Disciples. I'll go over it since you can't seem to pronounce it right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. First we, have, first, we have the Conjurer. He seems to be your basic mage. Uh, he's shown with both damage dealing and healing abilities, so that seems very interesting. And uh, he seems to be like the focal point of the party. You, you have all the guys up front, but as we all know, it's the dude standing in the dress at the back that's going to make or break everything. And, and what's, what's with the wizard hat? Seriously? I mean, they've been doing this forever. <laughs> I mean, have we not gotten past these witch hats? It's just, oh, I, I would play it were it not for that. Yeah, as uh, Dan <laughs> pointed out down there in the audience, that's... Uh, Typical Final Fantasy gameplay tactic of having the elemental wheel. Uh, lightning is strong against water. Water is strong against fire all the way so around. So really knowing the enemy you're up against is really going to be very important for playing a conjurer. Not to mention and, that most of the stuff they do is AOE. That's like their big deal is massive, you know, 
circle AOEs, like donut shaped AOEs, what they refer to it as. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that part. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> and then in addition to the conjurer, we have the thaumaturge. Can you see that again? The thaumaturge. <laughs> yeah, me, me and Roger had a hard time pronouncing this. The, the uh, thaumaturge. Th- 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 I'm going with thaumaturge. Thaum- really? Thaumaturge, yeah. Thaumaturge. Th- 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 Sorry, it could be a turga, not a turja as well. Who's turga? Right. Well, since you're not adding anything to the conversation, go Google that for me. <laughs> okay. And the Thaumaturge is the support mage of the group. He has all of the buff spells for the party. He has all of the debuff spells for the enemy. He seems a lot like the red mage in Final Fantasy XI, whereas he wasn't the best offensively or the best at healing. He was good enough at everything to really have his own role. They've shown that they have, uh, they like a close quarters mage almost. He likes to draw the enemies close to him, and his AoE is more of a cone. He attacks everything in front of him. So again, focusing on... 14's strategic gameplay, it's all about positioning. Um, we also have the uh, the only other things that they've talked about really as far as the the other disciples so far, the other classes, if you will, is just the miner and the blacksmith. You know, you get the miners are big on making a lot of money, getting a lot of raw materials and selling them. Um, blacksmiths can repair metal-based weapons and tools and is all about selling his wares and whatnot. That's something that I wanted to kind of touch on real quick was in Final Fantasy XI, there was a lot of penalizing. If you died, the way they work with, you know, penalizing you dying was you lost experience to the point where you you could level down. You didn't just lose experience. You lost a crap ton of experience. Yeah, you you did lose a level. If you needed 50,000 experience to get to the next level and you died, you lost 5,000 experience. Yeah, it was if if you had a bad night with like a new person or a, a, just a new spot that your group was trying to, you know, to, to grind in or whatever. That's all the fucking game was, was grinding. Um, and just things went bad and you died three or four times during that. Then you pretty much lost everything you did that night and quite possibly everything you did the night before or even more. So it was. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> there was no Dude, holes I, in that bag. <laughs> That's how you pronounce it. No, man, uh, just to, to, to laugh a little bit. Maybe Joe's listening. He'll, he'll pick up on this one. I quit the game when I just got so fed up ah. that I gave up and I went to well. You all right? Sorry, you guys don't hear the sound. From, I'll, I'll cut it out when I edit. Whenever you go on the Final Fantasy site, the sound just blares. Oh, Everybody music. in the audience would but have how heard awesome it. Is- how awesome is that music? It's not. It's not. It's <laughs> yeah, not. It okay, is. sorry. Hey, I, I oh, love it. Sucks. I'm it's sorry. got that old school Final Fantasy MIDI <laughs> feel <laughs> to it. It sounds like I, a I Mission Impossible cool. soundtrack is what it sounds like. Dude, the, the worst you like the music in Final Fantasy games. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, sometimes. No, it, okay, go keep look, going. The, the original, <laughs> look, the original music they had on that site was like real mellow and whatnot, and then they just out of nowhere changed it to this like loud as hell combat theme. Yeah, so it's the when battle I first theme. booted up, yeah, as soon as I booted up, I damn near blew the roof off my head with my freaking headphones <laughs> on. But um, yeah, dude, just when I quit Final Fantasy XI, I got I was so disenfranchised that I went and I died on purpose until I went all the freaking way back to like level five or six or something just to make sure that I would never get back into the game again. That's how much I despise dying in that fucking game. I just said to hell with it. 
Well, hell, um, even the losing experience was a grind. How long did that take? Yeah, no, I just I sat there and just let I just ran into I don't know what the fuck the name of the zone was. There was giant ass dragonflies and freaking goblins all over the damn place. It was some island. Uh, you just named half the zones in the game. That doesn't help. <laughs> It was the island with all the cat people that we all wanted to bang. Younger Tunga Island or some stupid <laughs> shit like that. Anyway, before we get into that, I don't want I don't want to get into that aspect of the freaking Final Fantasy Online franchise. You should cat see it. Just, just Google it, bro. Just Google it. You're gonna blow no, your mind. I, no, no. All right. Um, character customization. This is pretty cool because this is something that we haven't seen in other games recently. Anyway, you get your standard fare. You know, you get your chick, pick your race, pick your gender, hair, eyes, face, skin, blah, blah, blah. There's also different clans There's also, you know, and tribes. Like if you play the human types in, um, in Final Fantasy XIV, there are not – there's two different clans of humans. Like the, the ones from the lowlands and the ones from the highlands. And they have physical characteristics that are different – to them, different options of how you can make a character look, different lore behind the specific character as well, different quests, different everything, just based on what tribe or what clan you're from. And there's a lot of different ways that you can, just a lot of different variations for the individual player. You know, there's also um, an elemental affinity. Now, Vince talked earlier about the different kinds of um, like elements. It's the big, you know, element wheel. There's all the different, you know, fire, water, lightning, you know, light, dark, all that shit. Um, your character can become, I guess, attuned to a specific element. And that they were discussing, they don't know if that's something that you are going to have at the beginning of your character creation. Like the second you start playing the game, you have this affinity. Or if it's something that grows with your character, you know, through stats, something you can actively pursue, you know. So Roger's character can be pretty much like a fire-attuned element something or other where fire damage, you know, just bounces right off of him. He's completely immune to it. The second that he gets hit with water damage, he gets freaking rocked to hell. And there's just, there's a lot of that shit going on in the game. I thought that's very, very cool that you can customize your character so uniquely because in a lot of these MMOs, the biggest issue that we're having with a lot of them that we play is that everybody looks the fucking same. All the gear is the same. Most of the characters look the same. They can only put so much differentiate who you are versus who everybody else is in the mob, you know, like in the throngs, the characters that you're running around with in town. Although one lesson I hope they do learn from Eleven, uh, in Eleven you could choose what home city you wanted to belong to. And each home city had its own quest line, missions if they were. And you had to progress through these missions if you wanted to progress through the game. Like you couldn't fly until you achieved rank five in your home city, which was retarded. So. Very. But in order for me to get to rank five, let's say I'm in Bastok and, okay, I have friends from Windurst and Sandoria and, okay, let's, let's get Vince to rank five. Oh, crap. No, we, we can't really help him out that well with that because he has to do his entire quest line and we have to do our entire quest line. And if you had three people that you all wanted to get to a certain point, you had three different quest lines to do. It was kind of stupid. And it would completely lock anybody else out from helping you for the most part. Yeah. It was like it was impossible. So we'll we'll see where they go with that one. But I, I do like the concept of the different tribes and we'll actually get into that a little bit later when we talk about the guild leaves. Yeah, that's I haven't really read up a lot on the guild leaves, but I'm, I'm going to leave that to you. The beta test is going on now. Um, they were saying that the beta test is going to run about six or seven months long, which if you count it right now, we're looking at a game coming out in the holiday season of this year. So I was mentioning earlier, I wanted to ask you guys, we've got the only other asian mmo that's coming out for the most part is ion it's the only thing else out there that i know of at least 
that's going to be in the that's even remotely in the market. But even then, I don't think it's much of a contender. But we've got Cataclysm coming out. We've got Star Wars: The Republic coming out. We've got APB coming out. These are games that are probably going to. Well, I know for a fact Star Wars and and WoW have a monthly subscription base. I'm me, Roger, and Joe were talking about this whole subscription. You know, our money is worth a lot more now because time is very constricted. As you know, we got families, we got jobs, and whatnot. Will this game be able to survive? You know, is it going to be another flop? Like, you know, people give me shit because I say Warhammer, you know, Age of Reckoning was a flop. It was a flop, plain and simple. So, so was Age of Conan. Still fucking is a flop for everything that they they toted about. So I'm kind of concerned because I really want this game to succeed. I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the first MMO I ever played, which was Final Fantasy Online. I want to see a successor of the game where they took all the feedback, they made it better, they looked at the better games out there, and they worked that into it. So I want it to be as good a game as we all hope, but I don't know if it, I don't know at all if it can compete against Star Wars, let alone Cataclysm. Yeah, I think it's the right game at the wrong time, because I guarantee I will give this game a shot. When this comes out, I'll be playing this and Cataclysm at the same time, assuming release schedules are as we assume. But once Star Wars comes out, something's got to go. I can't manage three MMOs. Yeah, I, I would be able to do two MMOs, but I I, I couldn't do three. Uh, two is tough enough. Give, yeah, two is hard to balance, in, in my opinion. Roger, are you even gonna are you going to try to give this game a shot now that you've learned a little bit more about it with the past weekend well it's going to depend on again when it's coming out i mean yeah everything that we've we've seen about it is pointing towards something that's a a really nice evolution from what they've always done if they are able to learn from mistakes and make it so that it's not terrible there's a reason why i didn't play a lot of the other ones and it's because i wasn't an early adopter so i didn't get so that I had to play it kind of thing. And then when you start reading a lot about it, it's like, no, I don't want to be in that kind of a grind. Um, so that's partially it. Now, if they've learned from that and they make a game that is interesting and whatnot, they're, they're introducing a lot of, of concepts here that I really like as well. It's concepts that were, again, it's that next evolution of MMO that's what I've been talking about that I really want to see. Like, I've been playing some more WoW now, and yet still, yeah, it's nice to be back. It's nice doing some things as well that I haven't done yet kind of thing, but still, there's certain limitations that I'm looking forward to these other next-gen MMOs that are going to be coming out like this, like the Star Wars one, so that, hey, that's to the... We're going to have to have a couple of drinks there. Um, because <laughs> the uh, it's this next evolution that's going to be bringing in a lot of different gameplay. The the thing that... We've talked about it, too, and you, one of the shows you were saying, like, what do you expect game-wise, gameplay-wise, it's going to be any different. You're going to punch buttons. The thing is, is that we can expect something different. There can be some differences. Now, what we saw from... Or what we read about the... Yeah, almost did it again. From Star Wars was that the gameplay was going to be very similar to what we are experiencing right now. That it's still beta, so who knows how much they're going to change. Whereas this, it appears as if they're going to be doing. It's going to be more drastic. The changes. And more interesting. And I think because they're going to be doing both the the PS3 and the PC versions that we are going to see differences because they're going to try to find a happy medium between the two, I would think, you know. So I'm thinking that depending on when it comes out and depending on just how good it is when it does come out, it might be the one that actually replaces WoW for me. And then I'd be playing this and Star Wars and, and quite enjoying that. 
Yeah, Roger yeah. raises a great point there. This may this is probably going to be the first third generation MMO that we see. It looks to me to be taking the best of Final Fantasy XI with the strong group gameplay, very tactical. You really need to be working together to achieve your goal, as well as the best of World of Warcraft with its more casual, hopefully focused gameplay and the more active combat system. So we'll see. All right. Um, with that, we're going to take a quick break, quick five-minute bio break to refresh drinks and clean out the bowels, all that good business. So I will be back in five. All right. All right. I gotta get to Azeroth, you Luddites ain't stopping me My equip's legit, look me up in the armory We're at war, stupid buster, there's no peace or harmony No one seems to get it, but that's alright My girl keeps whining, complaining, it's starting fight She wants to cuddle, watch movies in the candlelight But Wednesdays through Fridays are strictly rain nights When I'm down or depressed, I go connect my real friends are online, fighting to the death. Mom's banging on my door, come eat your eggs and bacon. Mom, you're messing me up, you're like Leroy Jenkins. I straight dedication, you can call it crazy. You talking stuff, man, why don't you come and play? I'm going 22 hours, who you calling lazy? I'm pwning noobs at PvP, and my level's past 80. Millions of critics and cynics who feel just like me 
still thinking. Yes, Dad. I'm, I, it was just a suggestion. Welcome back to Four. Heaven Lord. forbid uh, I tell you how to do your job. <laughs> thank you very much for giving us a chance to go to the bathroom, refresh our drinks and whatnot. You know, I'm, I appreciate that. Uh, we left off talking about Final Fantasy XIV. We were going to get into the combat system and specifically speaking, party play versus solo play. There's something in particular with Final Fantasy XIV that I know Roger's probably excited about. I'm really, really hyped up about it. In Final Fantasy XI, you could not play solo. There was forced grouping like it made Ion look like a joke. Um, it's just you could not play the game. It was not worth it. There was nothing at all that you could do. You could not do shit unless you were in a group of people period. There was no way you could farm, no way you could no way you could play. With Final Fantasy XIV, they finally seem to have heard our prayers and said that, yes, you can play in a variable size group by yourself, out there in the field doing what you're doing, you know, fighting in solo monsters, and you're going to be able to, you know, survive for the most part. Um, the big emphasis in Final Fantasy XI was that you had a group of about six players versus one mob at a time. And you just, that's how you played, period. In this game in particular, there's actual party versus party. They have spent an unquestionable amount of time on the AI of the NPCs. Now, Vince mentioned a lot of this kind of thing with um, Final Fantasy XIII, which really, I never, I didn't know that they did that in Final Fantasy XIII, where your party members were actually intelligent AI that helped. Um, the AI of the enemies that you're playing in Final Fantasy XIV, of the mobs, essentially, is varied, and they are just an unbelievable amount of types of mobs. Like, you know, you, for example, you look at the World of Warcraft and we have, um, you know, beasts, elementals, mechanicals, whatever. That's the classification of what it is. In this game, there's a ton of different types. It's not just, this is a beast, you know. No, it's like, this is a beast that's possibly armored that can fly or, and, and has this elemental aspect to it, whatever. You know, so there's a lot of cool things in that regard, and it's parties of them. You will see a party, like a group of enemies roving around the field, and if you engage them, it's not like you can pull one at a time. It's like the ultimate group pull where they are healing. They are trying to tank. They are specifically going after your healers, not even on a threat-based thing, just because that's what their job is. That's what their AI is programmed to do is to find who's healing and eliminate that healer. So it's kind of like PvP against the computer really really interesting how that's going to play out um you can switch classes as well anytime but there's a specific passive mode and an active mode so when you're in passive mode you know you're regaining your hp you're you're essentially resting you're crafting you're doing whatever the hell is that you're doing uh in your active mode is when you are you know you're you're actually engaging in crafting something you're in combat you're just your player character is doing something um one of the things they mentioned that was kind of question saying that the average party is going to be between six to eight people. There's a lot of different ways that you can go with less people than that. There are going to be alliances, which is kind of like a raid. Um, the battles are going to be party versus party oriented, even so much as a raid. So it may just be one big raid boss or it may just be, yeah, the, the parties will be six to eight people at most. So that's how many people are going to be in the actual group doing what they're doing. They are working on a way to split the loot, but there's just it's it's one of those things it's just game mechanic wise it's something that we'll find out later on in the beta um distance range position these are things that are going to be very important in the combat it's not just going to be you stand in a place and you auto attack there's going to be very little auto attacking it's going to be something along the lines of 
you know, every way that your your group is positioned tactically, even if the terrain changes, higher terrain, muddy terrain, that sort of thing, kind of like the way you do a tabletop gaming with like Warhammer 40K, things like that. It's just there's lots of different modifiers to an actual battle. So it's very interesting how they plan on doing this. You know, if you're standing in mud, then your character, maybe his evasion will be lower specifically because you're fighting in fucking mud. You know, so it's I like that whole realism aspect that I keep bringing back up about Final Fantasy 14. It just I'm very excited. I want to see what they do with it. I'm hoping to get my hands on a beta sometime to check it all out. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things involved in the whole thing, too. I mean, you got miners, are the only people that can see nodes to mine from. Same thing goes for botanists with herbs or, you know, tailors possibly with with anything else, whatever. You know, there's you, you're not going to be stopped by having to compete with other players in that regard. You know what I'm saying? So if you're a miner, that's your role. That's your job. If you have your pickaxe, that's what you're doing out in the field when you're out in the street selling your stuff. That's who your character is. It's very much role-playing in that regard. I like that. I like the fact that if I decide I want to make my character a tanner, you know, I'm a leatherworking guy, that's what I'm doing. When I'm out in the field, I'm skinning the damn thing alive as you're fighting it, trying to get whatever material I need. And when I go back into town... I'm still engaged in what I'm supposed to be engaged in. It's not like I'm this big burly fucking warrior in, in wow. And then I turn around and I'm a tailor or an enchanter when I'm in town or even wherever the hell I am. It just, it fits more your kit of your personal character. So people who really are into role playing or doing fan fiction and shit like that, they're going to have a lot to pull from in this game. Okay. No, I think you pretty much covered it there. That was impressive. (laughs) Jeep. Thanks. Uh, there's more. There's more that I want to talk about, dude. Like they have, they have well, I know we're, we're, we're on a clock here, so I'm, I'm moving it along. Well, right. no, we still got ten minutes. You don't have to rush through. What you're saying, though, about um, how they're going to be making it so that you can play solo or you can play in a group, but you're saying most of the stuff is going to be between six and eight people. That's not solo that's not even near that and we're singing wow how hard it is to get even just a 10 man going i mean five mans you need to have the random groups now from across all the realms to be able to do it at any kind of speed a reasonable speed so really six to eight is not in my opinion is not reasonable still well it's a good thing you brought that up because that leads right into the next point actually the guild leave system which is uh Final Fantasy XIV's quest-based system. Now, in eleven quests were utterly forgettable. It was running around. They gave you almost no objective as to what you actually had to do. I didn't get half of them done without the strategy guide. There was no direction. And then you got back, and he's like, oh, okay, thanks. No reward. Yeah, they sucked. <laughs> yeah, period. Awful. And fourteen, uh, they have the guild leave system, which you go to your guild, which they haven't really expanded upon yet and they give you an option of what you want to choose from the various leaves that you can do and uh just quick here uh upon assessing an adventurer's skills a guild master will provide a selection of several different leaves taken from the guild stock after weighing risks against rewards fame against fortune adventurers may then select the leaves they feel best suit their needs so this gives you an option in the game of choosing okay i have a half hour to play let me do a quick solo quest or I'm here for the entire afternoon. Let me get a big group quest and try to get a group together and really accomplish this. So it looks like the questing system is giving you the option 
of how you want to play the game. So if you want to play the solo, you can do the solo questing. If you want to play in the big group, you can do the big group questing. You can do a combination of them depending on the amount of time and effort you want to put into it. As they said, some might take 30 minutes to complete while others might have to be completed over several days. So it's not that Final Fantasy 14 is a completely casual game compared to 11. It's just that 14 has more casual components. I like the fact that it says um, you could take the leaves that you take. They play a they play a role like in the actual lore of the thing. A leave is basically you tell whatever powers that be, the the guards of that nation or whatever it is that here I have a leave. I have like kind of diplomatic immunity, if you will. So I can use all your facilities. I can go through your portals. I can you know kill mobs on your land. I can hunt in your in your sanctuaries. All that kind of crap. You know, so that's very cool. And what else is cool is they're different from person to person. I'd like to know more about that personally. And they, they have said that if you even if you're not on leave, you can help somebody else out with theirs, which you couldn't do in 11. And yeah, as you were saying, it seems like they're kind of tying tying it in better to the lore with uh, the leaves, the little glass crystal square thing that they hand you. It depicts an act by a great paragon in Eorzea's past. So you're following in this great hero's footsteps, which seems pretty interesting. I like the fact that because I know Roger was talking about episodic content and how that can be kind of a pain in the ass, especially if it saves you at a checkpoint. <laughs> yeah, you know, you go, you're halfway. I can imagine playing Final Fantasy fourteen if it used that system, and I'm there in the middle of something, I disconnect, and crap, I got to start over again. What's cool is that you only need one person in that group to have the lead. Basically, you know, if we all have different leads, or when I go, well. What has everybody got? Okay, Rick's got this quest going to take three days to do. Roger's got a quest going to take, you know, 45 minutes. We're all strapped for time. Right, let's just go do Roger's quest. That's it. You don't need to go hunt down an NPC. You don't got to look on a freaking website. You don't got to look up a wiki or on a strategy guide or any of that shit. You just, okay, Roger says, here's what we got to do. This is where we got to go. Bam, you're going. That's it. You don't have to share the quest or anything like that. You just, you go, you accomplish it. I imagine there's some sort of sharing, like, you know, WoW's quest sharing. You know, just to make sure that everybody gets kind of credit for it in that regard, but or at least partial credit. I imagine Roger will get more credit with his guildmaster for whatever company he took the the job from. And I just like that whole dynamic. I think that's very very cool. It's like I said, it's Final Fantasy XI was what we would consider a very hardcore MMO, and you know, for at least this day and age, since WoW's advent of very casual gameplay. But I like the fact that they've realized Square Enix has realized. You know what, people. People are starting to get a little casual. We cannot cater everything to the hardcore grind fest, freaking, you know, just put your nose on the keyboard and start going gameplay. So that's that's very cool, man. I'm digging the whole guild yeah. thing. They've even said through the guild leave system, you can create your own like customizable campaigns. Like, let's say I have a quest to go kill 10 raptors. Roger has a quest to go pluck feathers out of a chocobo you have a quest to go dig up some mud from the bottom of a lake to try and discover i don't know whatever something in the environment and we realize hey all three of these leaves even though we got them from different sources and different countries with different aspects they're all in the same area so we can band together you know do a superhero team up and go do it all together yeah See, i said superhero team up i'm so batman <laughs> in that superhero team that's all i'm saying <laughs> I'm Only if I could be Robin. Whoa. You know, when I first read about that, it it made me think of Roger because I know Roger's big into writing 
you know, these, these lore pieces, you know, making game stuff. I think you were mentioning you were doing that project with your son for one of the iPhone apps or one, you were basically doing this sort of thing and combining all these quests together. That's, that's pretty cool. You can essentially have like a Dungeons and Dragons night, you know, where you have all your friends together and you're doing this custom campaign kind of deal. And because everybody's got a different, unique, you know, guild leave, a different, unique quest for all intents and purposes to go on. You can really craft a very interesting, very unique story, you know, that you will yeah. play through an experience that you play through. See, my only Lots thing with that there. would be the same thing as with the episodic content with Star Trek, where in fine, if you're going to do it that way, then and your leave said do kill five of ten whatevers, or sorry, kill ten things, and you kill five of them, and then you have to log out and you log back in, you better still have credit for the fives that you killed and not have to start from scratch. That's well, where we, the problem we, comes in. We can't go, you know, bashing every game because of what Star Trek did. Like, as far as I know, Star Trek's the only game I've seen that has done that. So. Yeah, I, I don't. I hope that they never bring it. I hope that enough people are complaining about it that no developer does that again, like the mining minigame in Mass Effect 2. I hope nobody, <laughs> oh. freaking, like, they hear these complaints like, all right, well, these guys got a lot of flack. Let's not do that and just forget it. We're not going to improve on it. No, fuck that. Let's just not do it. Um, one thing that's pretty cool, man, The like Vince said earlier, it's being released for the PC and the PS3 simultaneously. This was the same issue with Final Fantasy XI. I played it on the PC. My best friend Carlos played it on the PS3. I'm sorry, on the PS2. And we had no problem grouping together, communicating. It was awesome. I love that advent. I'm hoping more games do this. So you, you know, know what I'd like to see with that? Where if you buy both the PC version and the PS3 versions, you can play your characters on whichever one. So yes. I have both, let's say. You could do and that in 11. Well, okay. Well, then there you go. Because that would yeah. be, because if the game is good enough and I get that immersed in it and I decide to pick up the, the PS3 version, say, I'd like to be able to choose whichever one I want to play on. Yeah, because I had it for PS2 and my girlfriend had it for PC. And occasionally, you know, if she wasn't home, I would sit down on the PC because the graphics were ass ugly on PS2. And they even had an option where you could upload your user-defined macros to the server and then download them to the other system. So... Yeah, that's no problem. And it's perf it's the way a game should be. Cross platform, cross yep. region, everything works together. Yes. Yeah, there's no reason. Uh, well, yeah, financially, yeah, you can probably buy uh, being um what do you guys call it? The if you're exclusive, the exclusivity rights to a certain console or whatever for more money, but that ends up that ends up hurting us the consumer more than anything because Borderlands perfect freaking example of the clusterfuck. Everybody wants to play Borderlands. I got a PC, Roger's got a PS3 and Joe had an Xbox and we cannot play together we have to decide before the game comes out what we're buying it for we that's, were all on pc and we still couldn't play together yeah exactly but that's a whole nother <laughs> argument altogether um <clears throat> just to you know finish it up um before we finally get to the last part i want to talk about uh, what we want to see in the game what we're hoping what maybe if one of us gets into the beta you'll just copy and paste all these begs and pleads into a forum post but um one thing about being on the PS3 and the PC, and I don't know, maybe Roger, you didn't play the original. If you played using the PlayStation 2, if you played Final Fantasy Online with the PlayStation 2 and you had your controller, it worked. It worked great, right? It did? I don't know. If I hated it. I, I had was, a USB keyboard. Dude, no, no, okay. 
but there was no mouse support whatsoever on the PC version. Yeah. You played everything with the numpad, one hand on the numpad and the other hand on the keyboard typing, moving around and such. And everything was, there was no hot bar. There was no, you know, buttons to press to make moves and shit like that or whatever you had to learn how to press up and down and enter and go through the menus like every Final Fantasy game. So, Roger, playing Final Fantasy VII right now, imagine an MMO where you have to go through a menu to yeah, click the attack yeah, ability in the sound. Times have changed. They, they're like, I mean, their coding has changed and I, I would find it very, very hard to believe that this will just be a straight up port wherein they have that kind of limitation. I mean, again, it's changed enough now that I'm certain and that they have more money too, that they've got a couple of teams working on this so that they are not just doing a straight up port that's going to have those kind of limitations. If they right. were that's smart, that's they, would, they would package in some sort of keyboard and mouse control with the PS3 version. That would be a smart move. That would be a good way. I mean, we've already seen Square Enix package massive hardware. Look at Final Fantasy 13. I went to Best Buy the other day for Mass Effect 1, and I saw them, like a massive pile of Final Fantasy 13 Xbox 360 Special Editions. So I have no doubt in my mind that they will do something like that with the keyboard or maybe a unique PS3 or something like that. Final Fantasy 11 for PS2 came packaged in with the, was it the hard drive? Yeah, the hard drive. It yeah. came packaged yes. with the hard drive. So yeah. we'll see. So what do we want to see in this game other than having a good UI that was designed for the PC first and then modified for the PS3? Uh, purchasable mounts, obviously, something you couldn't have in Final Fantasy XI. I want to be able to buy my mount and not have to go through this big fucking rigmarole to get the damn mount. I don't want to breed it. I don't want to, you know, have to deal with all this pedigree bullshit. I don't want to race them. I just want to buy it and use it because traveling sucks. The zones are beautiful, and we want to go through the zones. We want to see that, and we want to have that experience. But if it takes you a goddamn half an hour to get to the zone before you can start playing the game, something's wrong. You know, you're paying 15 bucks a month for what? To spend 80% of your time traveling and the rest of your time running back to your corpse. But whatever. Um, let's see. No more synthesis crap. Vince, you remember crafting. I remember it all too well. I still have nightmares about crafting those stupid crystals spinning in my hand and shattering in my face, <laughs> and losing 8 million gill worth of components. Yeah, um, crafting in Final Fantasy XI, which I hope to God, if the one thing they get right in this fucking game is to fix the crafting, you had to synthesize everything. So you needed a crystal in order to start the synthesis. So you not only needed the mats for the gear for whatever you were going to make, you need a fucking crystal to make it happen. And the time of day... The freaking phase of the moon, if it was raining or not, what month, what day of the in-game week you were on all had an effect. What fucking feng shui direction you were facing on if you were successful or not at crafting. And you could spend hours just wasting money doing that. So I was trying to turn pants into leather by decrafting it as was the system they had. And I had a system. And every time the clocks and the planets aligned, I would go to this little shop, buy out the stuff. I would sit down facing northwest while it was raining outside and it was in a new moon at the <laughs> on a Thursday. And if I was lucky, I would work one out of 10 times and one out of 100 successes, I would get a point one skill up. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a little too convoluted. That's too much of a fucking time sink. I like the fact that we have. You know, different phases of the moon. I like the fact that the game world, the world itself, the world that you're playing in is realistic enough that it's got its own days of the week. It has its own holidays. It has its own, you know, seasons of summer, winter, whatever. You know, it's got all the shit that you expect to have in a fully created, crafted universe. 
but I don't like the fact that it has to have so much bearing on everything you do as a player. If I want to stitch something together and make a shirt, I do not want to have to wait to the right phase of the moon and you know make sure all the freaking stars are aligned and shit that I can do this. For God's sake, it's just fucking sewing. It ain't rocket science. I'm not trying to summon a goddamn demon here. But, I like that it did have an effect, though, just not as much of an effect. Yeah, you know, like if you're trying to, to cook a spicy summer kind of dish or whatever and you happen to do it in summertime on a particularly hot day yeah all right that's awesome that if that affects in some way that's kind of cool you know the fact that it rewards role playing in the game seasonally i i dig that i just don't dig the fact that it punishes you so badly for doing for just playing the game i don't like being punished for playing the game period um i like dungeons to be put into the game uh, in Final Fantasy XI, which is we're making references constantly to Final Fantasy XI because that's where they're pulling all this material from. Period. I mean, you look at the the screenshots, you look at the graphics and whatnot; they're all very enhanced and whatnot. But it's using the same, you know, style. kind of yeah style. It's like it's like an evolved version. It's it's the spiritual successor to Final Fantasy XI. Um, the only way that you could get any loot or anything, for the most part, there were dungeons that were hidden behind some horrible ass attunement unlocking uh, shit. Uh. And the dungeons were timed and whatnot, and it was just a major problem. But um, there was uh, what were called notorious monsters, NMs, and then they had different variations of NMs depending on their difficulty, and it just they added on more and more. Where it's imagine a glorified version of a rare spawn. Imagine if the way in WoW you played was if the Lich King was a rare spawn and ice crown that popped up once every like. 200 hours or so in some random ass location and you had every bot every gold farmer every asshole and their mother waiting to tag him as soon as he popped out and as soon as he did pop out and they tagged him you went through this big ordeal to kill him and odds are he dropped nothing not just once every 200 hours but once every 200 hours with a 10 hour window so you had to sit there with your thumb up your ass for 10 hours waiting for the thing to show up because you didn't know when it was going to show up Yeah, and then you have to compete with everybody, and if you do magically manage to get it, and you kill it, it suffers from Ion Syndrome, where it may drop absolutely nothing, and you've just literally paid 15 bucks a month to sit and just do nothing at all. Maybe chat, you know, if you were 15 bucks a month to alt-tab into Hulu. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That's that's all all that it was. It sucked. You know, I like the fact that if I'm going to bust my ass in a dungeon, or if I'm going to bust my ass to get gear, that I want to get something. There's got to be some kind of payoff. Even if I lose the roll, you know, or lots, or whatever they call them this time around, I just, I want to see the light at the end of the tunnel. If I have to run a little harder to get there, I'm okay with that. I just want to know that there is a light there at the end of the tunnel. Don't don't jerk us players around, you know. If you're going to say there's something's going to happen, Make it fucking happen, for Christ's sake. Yeah, there's enough time sinks in the MMO as is. Um, one thing we're probably not going to see, but I kind of like I kind of like to see, um, no more gender-limited races. Like, um, in Final Fantasy XI, those Dagalka and the Mithra, the Dagalka were male-only, and they reproduced through reincarnation or some such ass-backwards thing, and they looked like these big gorilla lizard type people they were actually they, pretty they, they weren't even technically male they were just masculine yeah they, they were masculine they were ambiguous they had they, they were like ken dolls with big ass muscles um, tails in the back nothing in the front <laughs> yeah pretty much um but and then there was the mithra which everybody's fapping over constantly because they're cat people that are highly sexual and whatnot and wear very scanty clothing but their males were somewhere on some mythical mystic island and the females only return there to bang and then they go back out into the world and do whatever the hell it is that they're doing so I don't know. It just it would be nice to see the different genders playing in to actually have that kind of 
you know, bring that, bring that into the 21st century for God's sake, you know, instead of having that restriction. Let's see. What I'm, else I'm kind of, have? I'm kind of both ways on that one. I, I, I like the concept of, okay, you could do a male or female elf human uh, midget thing, Taru Taru. But if you wanted <laughs> to play this class, there, there was a slight restriction to it. And it was, it was interesting. Well, they've only got what, like five races with, with yeah. only five races at all. I, I would prefer yeah. to have either. Let's introduce I, I, another race. I would like it more if there were more races. If there was six or seven races with a male and a female and one that was exclusive male, one that was exclusive female, that would be a better balance. Yeah. I mean, it, I like what they're doing. I can respect what they're doing with the different clans and the fact that, yeah, you limit it to only five races, but every race can be one of like 40 different damn things. You know, there's 40 different modifiers, in, including what you know, class or what discipline you decide to pick up and what elemental affinity, all that good shit. So I, I can respect what they're doing, but I just like to see a little more. It's, it's awkward when you run into a city and you see nothing but the exact same copy pasted over and over and over and over again. Um, last thing really was they, they were very involved with the community as far as in the game. Like you could have, you could go to the official website for final fantasy 11 and you could, put your name in, in a list and whatever and schedule an in-game wedding in which a GM presiding will actually do the wedding. It was very, very cool, the whole role-playing factor. You kind of have that a little bit in WoW now just by guild leaders and you know doing that whole thing and taking pictures. But there's just something really cool that comes along with just having that kind of officialness. You know what I'm saying? Like It's, it's recognized by the game, so it, the game from that point on will actually react differently to you. You know, like your character actually has a wedding ring and people do refer to, you know, NPCs do know that you're married to so-and-so or, you know, whatever it is that you have going on, you know, job contracts, shit like that. Yeah, the wedding so, rings were even engraved so someone checked your equipment, they could see who you were married to. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, the last thing I want, I hope to God they fix, is the storyline. Vince, you you know more about the storyline because your girlfriend still plays Final Fantasy XI. Still Online. plays, yeah. The, Final Fantasy XI actually had a phenomenal story, probably the best I've seen of any MMO, and that's counting World of Warcraft. All kinds of insanity going on, these plots, and each... I, I would love to expand on it, but... I can't because I never saw any of it. It was so restricted behind all of this advancement. Oh, okay, you could do you could do a little bit here, but if you if you want to progress past this, get to the level cap first, then we'll talk. But I, I've only done two quests. Now get to the level cap first. Okay, here you can do this, but it's in a level capped area at level thirty. That's so blindingly hard, you're gonna smash your computer against the wall. So I would like to see them take that great story that they spent so much time working on, in-game cutscenes, just like the Wrathgate that we've been raving over in World of Warcraft, and make it more accessible. Uh, and the, to go along with that, there's the great encounters that they have. Just two weeks ago. I was watching my girlfriend fight Odin. Odin was a pain in the ass to get to. Everybody, all 18 people had to have these special items that they farmed up for weeks. You went through, you ground your way through 10 levels of this tower, and you finally get to the top. And there's Odin, all badass in his armor with his spear, riding his horse, and you're like, okay, this was totally worth it. Run in there, you start fighting. This encounter was so awesome. You got to... You got him down to 10% of his health, and he would stop fighting and just start talking. And everybody had to kneel to Odin. If you didn't kneel to Odin, his next attack would kill you. So they had all kinds of great mechanics, all kinds of great story that 90% of the players never saw. 
Yeah, that's that's a shame too, man. I mean, you gotta imagine the developers gotta feel that too, right? I mean, you spend days, months, you know, building this encounter, building this game, and yet so very few people get to see it. It's like spending a year working on a painting or a musical piece, and then you're the only person that ever sees it, or you're the only person that ever hears it. I mean, that, that kind of defeats the purpose, I think, in my opinion, as far as what game developers want. That's that's what makes you become a game developer, is you want to craft these worlds for people to enjoy, you know, and it's just... I, I never got to see half of it, to be honest with you. And the story the, the, is the, rich. The bits I've seen have just been so phenomenal. Like from the bit, the time I was playing, the small amount of questing and mission advancement I was able to do. But then also watching my girlfriend. Like uh, you were playing around the time that you were still playing when Chains of Promathia came out, right, Rick? Yeah, that was the last expansion. There's a lot of expansions for this freaking game, dude. Yeah, Chains well, of Promathia a lot, was the last expansion. A lot of them were little mini expansions, but that's different. Did you do all of the pre-work for the Chains of Promathia mission no. line? No, okay. not at all. It, it, it talks that, about ancient races and cool shit, and I, I didn't get to see That it. was actually perfectly soloable. You just went around and talked to some people and got these ridiculous cutscenes. of Again, it's it was Wrathgate style, but honestly, with... I really liked Final Fantasy XI's art style, while not as like graphically impressive as some other games that had a really nice style to it. So seeing all these very wonderfully detailed and rendered characters fighting, flying through the air, smashing each other with swords. Bahamut shows up in the middle of the sky and just like chills out there. He's like, uh, you know, I'm going to destroy your city in a month. It was phenomenal. But again, nobody saw it. Yeah, that's I, I don't understand that. I, I really hope they change that for just the game entirely. It doesn't need to be anything different than that. Just keep the cool, rich story. Keep that great lore that you guys got going on. It's the reason we keep playing these damn games because the one thing that's synonymous with Final Fantasy is you're going to have this crazy over-the-top story that's very deep and very cool, and you're going to have these visuals that just blow your mind. I've seen freaking the videos of Final Fantasy thirteen. just looking at it blows my mind. It's eye candy on the umpteenth degree. It's insane. I have like and 15 different save files just so I can watch it again. <laughs> yeah, it's these cutscenes that people, you know, they do a lot of work. Why would you make it so damn near impossible to experience that i mean this is another thing with the um, the the level caps for people who did not play final fantasy 11 this is something that like you hear this and you're gonna laugh your ass off there were level caps not just you know at the top level the end game no there was you reached level like 50 or no it was you reached like level 30 that's no, it. it was 50 no it was 50 yeah it was 50 okay so you, you did some 50. stupid overly Super. complicated quest line Super long, crazy-ass quest line that at the very end culminated in getting into this dungeon that was meant for people level 75, right? And you're in there praying to God that no other mobs aggro you, waiting for this one mob to spawn. And out of the group of six that you have, he only drops one skull, and you need that <laughs> skull to go challenge a guy to hopefully beat him to then unlock the next five levels, and you but have if to you do lost, this. Yeah, you if you lost, yeah, if you lost, you gotta go back and get that skull again. So it's like it's and and that's every five levels, you know. So it's yeah. you have a break in the grinding, and you think, oh god, I don't got to grind anymore. I got a quest. I got something that's actually defined. I can go do right. No, you 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 go through a week trying to pull this quest off. You've spent a good seven days trying to do it. You you finally did it, and then they're like, okay, you got to do it again at five levels, buddy. It's going to be ten times harder. Good luck. God, fuck you, Rick. I completely forgot about how horrible that was. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> fighting Matt, I think his name was. Who's, oh. was there's this crotchety ass old man, like with a walker or some shit, holding his hip. And then you fight him, and he beats the ever living ass out of you, like inside and out. And if and he plays as your class, so if you are a samurai, suddenly he has all the powers of a freaking samurai, and he just destroys you. So it was it was very cool, but too hard, man. And it's I'm actually I'm thankful I never got to level seventy because I was not looking forward to fighting his ass on a monk. Oh, dude, I, I, um, I, I quit the game at a level 73 Dragoon and I looked so badass, and I had fought so damn hard to get there. And then I thought, fuck, dude, I was, I was completely burnt out completely and utterly when, when, when the, when wow came along, when freaking world of Warcraft came along, it was, I, I, it was like somebody just handed me water after I've been in the desert for a hundred years. Yeah. It was insane. It's, it's funny. Cause I stopped playing final fantasy 11 for reasons unrelated to the game. I just had other stuff going on. And I was like, I can't play a game right now. And like two weeks later I was in GameStop and this was when you couldn't even buy world of Warcraft and they had one on the shelf. And just, just because they had it, I bought it. I did so the same I, thing. I did the I same started, thing with the Wii. <laughs> I started playing world of Warcraft. I'm like, Oh, okay, this is cool. But my girlfriend was still playing final fantasy 11. I was like, no, I, I really want to play this game again. I really loved this game. So then playing 11 alongside World of Warcraft, I lasted maybe another month. And I'm like, what is this? This yeah, is awful. Fuck <laughs> All right. Well, um, time's up pretty much. We've run the show a little bit longer than we typically do. I'd like to thank the audience and all the people that are listening to the podcast. Um for dealing with me and my amateur attempt at hosting the show. I will be very humbly happy when Roger starts hosting the show again in the following Monday. Um, I'd like to thank Vince for coming on the show and just geeking out with me about Final Fantasy uh, 13 and 14 and reminiscing about Final Fantasy 11. Really, really hope that Joe at least listens to the show, even though Schmuck did not show up because he's the only other person that has played 11 that I know of um, and is as excited about these two games as we are. So that pretty much does it for the show. Um, stay tuned, though, because we are going to have Vince's segment on Jack, his Mass Effect 2 bio for Subject Zero. Hello everyone, this is Vince from MassiveNerd.net, bringing you my weekly Mass Effect 2 squad member biography. Please note, these features do contain spoilers, so if you have not finished the game yet, now is the time to stop listening. This week's character is the Convict, Subject Zero, better known as simply Jack. Jack's origin is largely unknown, even to her. Jack's earliest memories are of a Cerberus facility on the planet Progia. Known only as Subject Zero at the time, Jack was one of many children brought to the facility for testing and experimentation. Cerberus was testing every theory imaginable in an attempt to increase the children's latent biotic abilities, with no concern for their health or safety. Jack grew up hating Cerberus. She grew up hating the scientists and guards. Most of all, she grew up hating the other children. Jack was locked in her room at all times, forced to watch the other children through her window. As far as Jack knew, outside that window was the entire world, and they were out there while she was trapped. Jack was only released for testing, or worse, staged fights with other children, though Jack relished the chance to get revenge on the more privileged children in a fight to the death. One day, Jack reached her breaking point. While being transferred from her room for more experimentation, she killed the guard escorting her and broke out. Jack's disastrous breakout led to the other children escaping and a full-scale riot. 
Jack killed almost everyone, children and staff. Very little of the facility was left standing. Jack managed to board a shuttle and get off planet. Jack bounced around the galaxy for years. She joined gangs and even a cult, all just trying to use her. Jack grew increasingly distant, learning that the only person she could trust was herself. She accumulated enough tattoos in her journey to cover her entire body. Each one has a meaning, many of them representing people Jack has killed. Unfortunately for her, and fortunately for the rest of the galaxy, Jack's days of crime, piracy, and general anarchism could not last forever. She was captured and brought to Purgatory, a prison ship operated by the Blue Sun's mercenaries. Purgatory received funding based upon the number of criminals it held. As such, they could hardly afford to have Jack killing everyone that looked at her funny, so they froze Jack in cryostasis. The elusive man gave Jack a second chance. With Cerberus's deep coffers, he arranged to purchase Jack from Purgatory for use against the Collectors. Shepard arrives for the exchange, only to find himself in a double-cross. The Warden decided that Shepard is more valuable to him as a prisoner than as a customer. The Blue Suns proved no match for Shepard and his squad, and Shepard soon found himself at the release controls for Jack's stasis pod. Upon release, Jack makes quick work of three massive Emir mechs and starts tearing through the facility, with Shepard not far behind. After a quick and brutal struggle through the ship, Shepard catches up with Jack just outside the Normandy's dock. Jack agrees to help Shepard in exchange for access to Cerberus files on the Normandy's computers. The investigation of these files leads to Jack's loyalty mission, Subject Zero. Jack wants to return to Pragia, detonate a bomb, level the complex, and move on with her life. They arrive at the facility and soon realize something is not right. Pragia was supposed to be abandoned, but signs show that others have been there recently. They come across a group of blood pack mercs hired by someone to be there, though it's unclear why. Progressing deeper into the facility, things only grow stranger. Video logs, terminals, and other records indicate that actual events may not completely add up with Jack's recollection. That window Jack was forced to watch the other children through? It was a two-way mirror. The others weren't mocking her showing off their freedom. They never even knew she was there. Finally reaching Jack's room, everything comes together. Jack and Shepard find Aresh, another survivor of the Progia lab. As Aresh explains, Jack was actually the lucky one. All the real experiments were performed on the other children. They were the real test subjects, exposed to torture and test after test. Their survival rate was not high. The treatments that were successful and resulted in an increase in biotic capability were then used on Jack. Jack was not even the one that started the riot. It was the other children fighting the guards, only inadvertently releasing Jack from captivity. Their precious Subject Zero was deemed more important than the others, and was the only one not met with lethal force, allowing her to escape. Jack was the only test subject they cared about. Jack practically melts down at this revelation. She's lived her entire life hating Progia, hating Cerberus, despising the other children. She simply cannot accept the possibility that somebody else could have had it worse than her. Instead of accepting her fate, she sees Aresh as just another obstacle, holding her back from closing this chapter of her life. Aresh is nothing more than another enemy to be eliminated. It is at this point that a Paragon Shepherd can truly get through to Jack and speak not to the psychopathic killer on the outside, but the scared, lonely, lost little girl on the inside. For perhaps the first time in her life, someone speaks to Jack like a person, not a thing. Regardless of how things go down, Progia is blown to dust. Back on the Normandy, Jack reluctantly thanks Shepard for his help. It's the first time anybody has done something for her out of kindness or friendship. 
though if Shepard gains both their loyalty, Jack will confront Miranda about Cerberus's involvement on Progia. Miranda tries to explain that Progia was being operated without the elusive man's consent, but as far as Jack is concerned, Cerberus is Cerberus. If one part of the organization is guilty, they all are. Shepard must step in and resolve the conflict, perhaps alienating one of the women for good. Assuming Shepard does not choose Miranda, Jack will remain loyal and open to him. This leads to an interesting crossroads with Jack's character. Jack is the only character in the game with two completely different romance subplots. If Shepard chooses the renegade path, he will see Jack the same way everyone else in her life has, as a tool, a weapon to be used for his advantage. After being treated in this manner yet again in her life, Jack assumes Shepard wants what just about every other man in her life has wanted, agreeing that they should just get it over with and move on. After their physical encounter, Jack wants nothing more to do with Shepard, assuming he's gotten everything he wants from her. Conversely, a Paragon Shepard can put off having sex for a while and get to know Jack better. Jack opens up to Shepard, revealing the guilt and loneliness inside of her. This is very difficult to Jack, as every other time she has let her guard down in the past, someone has taken advantage of the situation. It's easier to just keep the wall up and not risk it. The more Jack opens up, the more compassion Shepard shows. Initially, Jack is infuriated by being unable to figure Shepard out but later she accepts that Shepard has a genuine interest in her well-being and asks for some time to figure out what to do. This is all new to her. With her death possible in the impending mission, Jack comes to Shepard's cabin, admitting that she really does need someone in her life and that Shepard is the one she needs. What follows is a tender and emotional scene with Jack finally finding happiness in her life. It is this range of character development that easily makes Jack my favorite character in the game. Not only a great character to have around, Jack is a biotic buzzsaw on the battlefield. Shockwave is one of the most devastating abilities in the game, as anybody who has fought a Scion can tell you. Shockwave passes through obstacles and throws enemies around like ragdolls. On more than one occasion, Jack has completely cleared a bridge full of enemies with a single blast, throwing them all over the edge. When paired with her pull ability, things really get fun. To top it off, Jack possesses one of the best ammo abilities in the game. Warp ammo is effective against both barriers and armor, in addition to dealing double damage to enemies affected by pole or other biotic powers. Though be sure to tell Jack to use her pistol. She doesn't have the durability to fight on the front lines with her shotgun. Crazy, fun, soulful, and vulnerable, Jack is one of the deepest characters in a cast full of great ones. Those that take the time to know her will be treated to one of the best personal storylines, not just in Mass Effect, but in almost any other game you will ever play. Fail, bastards. When in doubt, blame you, stream. Quite often it is their fault. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. Because <laughs> they suck. You stream kicked me out. <laughs> you mean it's not going well, Rick? Joe, if you weren't such a slack ass, you would have had it done before so that you could be on the show. Black ass. And we now know where his priorities are. Oh, is that what he's doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Lord. What's Apparently up, the Brian? priorities are with WoW.com, not so much with us. Oh. That's messed up. You made him famous, and now he's running off. I, I am, in the face. I'm hurt. Fuck. I am hurt beyond explanation. I, I am. But uh, apparently it doesn't matter. You you hurt Roger so bad. You sh- he doesn't even want to do the show anymore. He's he's he's. Just That's it. I'm done. That's it. We're done. You know yeah. yeah. You know Fuck what? It. Screw you're, it. You're, you're hosting the episode, Rick. Screw it. No, we're done. <laughs> I stopped broadcasting. What the fuck? Where'd he go? <laughs> Joe, Joe, get on there, Joe. <laughs> Let's let him wait for a minute. <laughs> 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 oh my god this is funny because I have like all these questions about how somebody else's experience in the game and all my friends are fucking losers they're like 10 hours in after a week and a half I'm like shut up <laughs> you do realize if you cover all the conversation now that by we're not gonna have anything gonna be yeah. no spontaneous <laughs> see this is something that Rick should have told you seeing as he's the one that's that's hosting tonight but that's alright I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna start playing my my cloud dude here wow you're just you're so bitter am i that's not bitter i'm playing cloud <laughs> see look at this is me i'm, I'm in the the reactor room life's hard I had to explain no i had, I had to explain the mario physics to uh to my daughter over the weekend she's like what the fuck's going on dad every time i try playing i can't pick up where i left off <laughs> is that really what she said is that well, she is it, based well, she on how you the, speak she, it makes sense she she didn't say the what the fuck part and then she like gave up after dying a couple times and luigi came out and said you need help playing this game which is she's kind of like <laughs> said screw this and she started playing lego batman again i'm trying to blow up a reactor here be quiet <laughs> <laughs> can't i have to play oh it's the dude with that scorpion tail attack don't wait attack <laughs> it has to ask you who do you want to attack there's only one scorpion dude there with like a freaking rifles for arms and there's no other nobody else to attack who do you think oh search scope what is he doing no attack him Arr, 33 damage take that Oh, tail laser! Don't no! Ah. Oh, ow! Right. Anyway, <laughs> greatest pre-show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Here's 15 minutes of Roger giving commentary on Final Fantasy VII. Well, you guys are free to talk. I'm not. I'm not well, hosting this one. Ago, it was just me. I'm not just gonna sit here and say, uh, sing a song or something. Oh, please! You like talking about yourself? Hey, um. Roger, you know, it, one major flaw of starting, of hosting the show is You're that doing I don't, it. Have, You're doing I don't it. have the record, but no, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk my way out of it. I just, I don't have the record button, so I can't be like, okay, okay shut up. I'm going to start now, you know, That's all. so what do I ever do? I tell you to is shut up. Do starting. Intro? That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's, I have to do everything. 10 bucks says you fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you guys yeah, talk like I would take that bet. <laughs> You, you, you guys talk all this mad shit, you know? I mean, really. D- do you remember the last drunk tank? The show could be worse. Okay. I, yeah, that's. We don't know that yet, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? Keep talking, and I won't even edit. 
I'll just put it out, <laughs> and then everyone will be you. able to just see just, just how tonight. bad it is. <laughs> put it out tonight. Don't put Vince's segment. Don't put any music or anything. Just like put the straight raw recording out. All right, I died, so screw that. I'm playing plant, Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> zombies on the lawn. Dude, that game rocks. All right, so do you want to start the show now? No, we still got six minutes. Yeah, okay, calm down. What's calm your down. rush, there, lad? Sorry, it's not like I'm. It's not like I'm totally shitting my pants, nervous at all. You know, no. Why would? Oh no, no. We we gotta hurry up because Joe needs to go to his raid. Oh, that's right. Joe sucks. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna make a character on Joe's realm. I'm just gonna sit there, friend at all of his characters. If I see him log on when he's supposed to be working on a post, I'll be pissed. Time I'm permitting. Break. Time permitting. So it depends if we have enough stuff for the uh how come my mushroom isn't shooting a zombie shoot him he's right there shoot him the hell if we have uh if we have time after the break we'll do <laughs> but the, the mushroom's not shooting him he's gonna get eaten the zombie's coming for you but if you <laughs> oh there he should if um freaking sammy's staying out of what are you fucking silent partner speak up totally different than to come up with it on your own especially when you have you know no pressure you just have Somebody that is going to be busting your balls for the next couple of months about it. Am I really just writing down? Do I really do that? Know, yes, yes, you do. You should take pride in it. It's freaking hilarious. I do. You're saying that I will make fun of you because of this. I, I, I would bet money. I would bet like hard-earned blood money on on you poking fun at me, either on the show or over aim or. On, on on WoW or, or wherever the hell it is that you can reach me. By correspondence, I'm going to get letters of you like laughing at me in, in the mail as a result of this. And how, much are, happen. how much are we betting? 20 bucks. 20? For how long do I have to do this? Um, or not 20 do bucks this? Until the, in, until the next Drunk Tank episode. So, so I, episode 31. Episode 31, you can 30 release your... Yeah, episode where episode twenty-seven now is done. So you mm -hmm, only have yep. twenty-eight, twenty-nine, and thirty. So that's three weeks of you holding in this tantric, you know, mass of but just, just as it pertains to this. You yes, you're fair game for everything else. All your yeah, other I'm screw fair, ups I'm, in life I'm, is fair games. It's just this ev here. Everything else is business as usual. Do you even have twenty dollars to bet? Do you have to ask Misty first for permission? I, I can probably I can probably make that much by then. Yeah, he can head down to South Beach for a few minutes and make twenty bucks. Yeah, no, he's, he's not that take good. a shot in the mouth for a couple hundred miles, no problem. Because I'll bet you, I w I would bet you that I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so think wisely before you accept that bet. Well, you know what? I have to. Here comes the big question: Do I have to pay to not be insulted for three weeks? Is it twenty dollars <laughs> worth it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, the biggest, that's the biggest thing now. It's like, it's the value. Because I know that you are going to be insulted, just not about this. Well, no, see, every other insult <laughs> I can take no problem, but this one in particular, this is going to hit hard because I was like, man, I'm going to do this. And then I started and Roger was like, nope. And then the whole thing fucking train wreck. As a matter of fact, when, when we finish completely, can I redo the, the intro? <laughs> <laughs> Can I totally redo the intro? I mean, I've had a couple of drinks in me right now. I've 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 let the pills kind of sit in my belly for about a good hour. I'm I'm good now. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, I'm gonna totally have fine. to edit that into the beginning. And? I'll fine. I'll let you do it. 
<laughs> South Beach, 79th of Biscayne Boulevard. No, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going there, buddy. All right. No, no, I, I, I no. no, 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 I'm not going to freaking Overtown and all that business. You can kiss my ass. I, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but uh, clocks are ticking. Right. Sorry. My five I'm minutes. I'm just are up. letting you know, because I'm leaving at 830. You guys can keep talking. I'll leave the recording stuff <laughs> on, but 830, I'm gone. Joe, when you listen to the show, write an article to tell us what you thought. <laughs> I'd really like to hear his thoughts on anything that we talked about. Dude, the reason why he wasn't here is because he's writing too many things. Don't give him another job. <laughs> <laughs> DP, we love you. Okay. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad he didn't hear that. I'm glad you stopped right before you heard that. I want DP to think that I still hate him. <laughs> I'll put it in the outtakes. <laughs>